This morning's topic of study is going to be apathy. Apathy. And this morning I'd like to start off by defining what apathy is, talking about symptoms of apathy, what apathy looks like, how that, how, what dangers there are with someone who is apathetic, and then looking at how we can uh, get out of that apathy, how that we might be saved by getting away from apathy and changing who we are. And this morning... Apathy is one of those things that it's just it can creep into our lives very easily. We're all busy, we're all doing different things, and it's very easy to just not care anymore. And so this morning I want to start off by defining it. Webster defines apathy as the lack of feeling or emotion or the lack of interest or concern. And as we live day, on, day in and day out, there are things that sometimes just doesn't interest us anymore. And in our spiritual life, that can happen too. We can become too busy. We can just get overrun. Our flame can burn low and we can just really be tired and not concerned about it anymore. And that's very dangerous. It's dangerous in our Christian walk. It's dangerous even in our job. It's dangerous in our our relationship with our spouse, relationship with our children. It's very dangerous. Apathy can destroy And this morning, I want to talk to you about what apathy can do to all of us. I'd like to look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. The Bible says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Shall wax cold. What that means is, is that when we do things, what happens is that we become cold or we become disinterested of spiritual things. The love of many shall wax cold. And sometimes in our Christian lives or in our lives, we just wax cold. We become indifferent. We become cold for things of this world or things of of God. I'd like to start talking about the symptoms of apathy and what apathy looks like. You know, if if you have a sickness or an illness or a disease, you go to the doctor and you say, doc, this is what's wrong. This is what I'm feeling. And based off of those symptoms, he gives you a diagnosis, what you have, right? And if we have apathy this morning, we'll have certain symptoms. I'd like to share with you what I think some of those symptoms are. The first symptom is that there is no heart in the worship. No heart in the worship. In Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, the Bible says, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, with their lips, do honor me, but have removed heart, excuse me, have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. So the Bible tells us that, uh, that we can worship God. We can sing praises to His name. But it could just be lip service. It could just be something we do. It's something we say. We just kind of go through the motion because their heart has been removed from that worship. And so, to me, one of the symptoms of apathy is that there's no heart in our worship. And maybe there's someone here this morning that's struggling with that. That we just, we got up this morning, we knew we had to get dressed up, we didn't know we had to come here to church, and we're just here this morning. Maybe we're just here just to do what everybody else does. Maybe mom and dad drug us to church. Maybe you're here because you know you don't want to get called and say, where were you at? Or how, how are you doing? Are you sick? Are you ill? No, I just really didn't feel like coming today. Why are you here? Because the Bible talks to us that you know you can be here, but your heart be removed from the worship, from the service of God. It's honorable to serve God. Another symptom of apathy is that there's no obedience to what is heard. Maybe you're here and you really want to learn something, but you take what's here and you don't apply it to your life. 
In uh, Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 30, the Bible says, Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. The people here are talking to, to about uh, Ezekiel, and he, he's going to open up this word, and he's going to tell them the word of God. And they all gather together. They want to hear the word of the Lord. And verse 31, it says, And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people. They're going to come together to hear this word of God. And they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but with their heart goeth after their covetousness. Here we are, assembled together today to hear the word of God. It's one thing to hear it and not do it. James chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You came, we assembled here together today this morning. Are you just hearing? Are you going to do the word of God? It's a lot of times that we say a lot of times, I hope it's not a lot of times, but it's very easy for us to sit down, sit in a worship service, open up the Word, sing songs of praise, pray to our Father, have communion with, the, with Him, and open up the Word of God and walk out of here and not do anything that we learned. It's very easy. You know, a lot of times in our jobs, what we do is we take what's been given to us and we really do it. And sometimes that spills over into our personal life. I know that sometimes I sit there and I talk with friends and about work and all the things that I do and all the things that I've been taught. But sometimes I don't do that about the Word of God. Sometimes I don't open up the Bible and say, hey, what do you think about this verse? Hey, let's try to apply this. I know that sometimes when, uh, when I was a kid growing up, we'd, we'd put all the paintings of the kids, the report cards on the kid, of the kids, and how good a job they've done on the refrigerator. We post it. And that's, that's exciting for that child to, rem- to feel honored in the service that they, they did at school or whatever. But we don't post the scriptures from the sermon, or we don't post the, the points of the sermon on the refrigerator. You know, Hannah was growing up, and when she grew up, her dad would sit there and say, Hannah, what was, what was the, the topic this morning spoke on at church? And she'd have to remember. She knew she was going to get asked that question. And as she got older, it wasn't what's the sermon topic. It was what were the first three points? What can we take away from that? You know, we're, not to, be, we're to be obedient to what is heard. And maybe you're here this morning, and you walk away from a lesson, or you've walked away from lessons before, and you really forgot what the lesson was about. Maybe that's a sign of spiritual uh, apathy, that you really have no interest, you have no concern, that you wax cold, you've become indifferent of spiritual things. That's a symptom of spiritual apathy. Another symptom is the thirst after God is gone. I know we've all been thirsty before. We've all literally, physically been thirsty. I used to run cross country back in school and and I remember there, after the first several miles, you've just become really thirsty. And if you don't, you are just not human. I will tell you that running a race, you become thirsty. You look forward to being done with that race. I remember one time we were running through the neighborhood I now live in, but before there were ever any houses built, we would run and coach would, would stop every mile at first and he'd have water, and he'd throw us water or give us water. We looked forward to that mile. And then as the season progressed, as we got longer distance and our endurance increased, he would do it every two miles, and we looked forward to that. And then eventually, coach would not be there at all, and you'd have to make it. I remember thinking, I really, I'm going to run and run and run, but I'm dying, I'm thirsty. And I remember becoming a child of God. 
I remember being baptized at 12 years old and I was excited. I was excited to know who God was. I was excited to share with God or share with people who God was and who Jesus was and how Jesus can save them, how their sins can be washed away. They don't have to worry about that anymore. I remember feeling that way. I was thirsting after God, but that thirst can run out. That flame can go low. And I think that one of the symptoms of apathy is that when your thirst runs out, you stop caring about spiritual things. And that can happen. In Psalm chapter 63, verse 1, David writes, O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. David realized that he wanted to have a relationship with God so much so that his soul thirsted after God. He really wanted to know who God was. And maybe you're here and you've really not thirsted that. Maybe your thirst has, maybe you just stopped caring. And I hope that's not the case. But it can happen. It can happen. Another symptom of apathy, I believe, is that there's no honor in the service. Malachi chapter 1 uh, we, Malachi chapter 1 talks about the priests that were given a task to prepare the service. The, they, they did the, the animal sacrificing. It's a very honorable job, responsibility that these individuals had. And uh, it talks about how they went through and they did what they were supposed to do, but they also profaned or they also um, did things that were not, uh, well, I messed up the PowerPoint here. They did things that were not appropriate. And Malachi chapter 1, verse 12 says, But you profane it in that you say, The table of the Lord is defiled, and its fruit, its food is contemptible. You all say, Oh, what a weariness it is, and you sneer at it. You know, sometimes what we do is we just say, Oh, man, i got to go to church again. Oh, man, i got to get up. i got to prepare a meal because I have to share it with my friends. Oh, man, I've got I've to hurry. I've got to get up an hour early than I'm normally used to. Oh, what a weariness it is. And sometimes we don't honor God in the service that we have. You know, we live in a very blessed country. Very blessed, because we're able to meet here on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and Wednesday night, freely and openly, without persecution. You know, there are people across the, the waters, whichever direction you go, if they have a Bible, they can get killed, murdered. If they say the name Jesus Christ, they are liable to, become, uh, to go through death. And we've all seen the videos or watched, read the news or watched the news or whatever it was. People dying because they had a Bible. And sometimes we say, oh, I've got to get up. Oh, I've got to go to church. Oh, what a weariness it is. And I think that a symptom of apathy, if you're here this morning, you, there's no honor in the service, that you don't think this is an honorable thing to come here to worship God, you might, have one of that, you might have that symptom of apathy. You know, apathy is a sickness. It's a disease. And it's very dangerous. There are dangers in apathy. And I think that the first thing of apathy is that we should know that it spreads to other people. It's a very contagious sickness, a very contagious disease. I like to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 2. It says, For I know the for forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them in Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. One of the things that here that Paul writes to the church at Corinth is that their zeal provoked a lot of people. They were fired up, and it provoked others. And one of the things that apathy does, it also spreads to other people. 
You know, when I think of, I think of a father and a son. You know, we, Wednesday night, we had where young, young kids, young boys would come up here and lead songs, and you see the smiles on their face, how, how much they enjoyed it. You know why they enjoyed it? Because they see their dads get up here and do it. They see their uncles get up here and do it. They see their grandparents get up here and do it. And I think of a son and a father relationship that when, the, when a father is excited about doing something, guess what it does? It spills over into the family. But when a father or a mother or a family or a leader in the home doesn't feel that way, guess what it does? It also destroys families. You know, if a father gets up and he enjoys what he does for every day, guess what that son's going to do or that daughter's going to do? They're going to get up and they're going to enjoy life a little bit more. But when that father could care less, guess what? That, 16 year old, that five-year-old boy is going to become a 16-year-old boy one day, 18-year-old kid, young adult, he ain't going to care either. That's exactly what we're doing to our kids. Do you care? Do you care enough? Maybe you're here this morning, you don't have kids. Maybe you're uh, spreading that to your spouse. That you just, you wake up and you just don't care about life. You don't care about going to church. You don't care about studying the word of God. Guess what? When that spreads to others, when that spreads to your family, it'll also destroy churches. I'd like to read to you Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, about a church that was destroyed because of apathy. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, and thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not thou that art wretched and miserable and poor, and blind, and naked. One of the things that was wrong with the church at Laodicea was the fact that they were lukewarm. They were neither cold nor hot. They were just content with what they had. They, they thought that they were rich, and they were increased with goods, and they needed nothing. They failed to realize that they were apathetic. They were blind. That they were wax cold, indifferent to spiritual things. And it's easy, to, it's easy to happen, and it's easy to creep in our lives, but what kind of church do you want to be a part of? An apathetic church or a church that's on fire, ready to serve the Lord and spread the gospel? That's the church I want to be a part of. And if we don't come to grit with our apathy or lack of apathy, what we're going to do is we're going to find families destroyed, and we're going to find churches closing. That's what apathy does. And I don't want to be a part of a ch- closing church. I want to be part of a growing church. And if we don't want to be like Revelation chapter 3, where the church at Laodicea, Let's be on fire for the Lord. Dangers of apathy. Let's talk about preventing apathy this morning. One of the things I believe that will help us prevent apathy is renewing our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What's going to help us? How do we transform our mind? By renewing it. That's how we transform our life. You know, we're here this morning. I hope that this morning after you leave this service, your mind is renewed. You're energetic. You're excited about taking on the week. You're excited about seeing your friends, your coworkers. I hope you're excited. I hope you're renewed. And then when you come back on Wednesday night, you get renewed again and you're ready to take on Thursday. But you know what the problem is? Sunday and Wednesday aren't good enough. It's not. You have to renew your minds daily. Search the scriptures daily as the Bereans did. 
You have to apply the Bible each and every day with purpose. One way to prevent apathy is by renewing your mind. I knew a kid, I've told this story before, but I knew a kid one time at my old job. Every day, no matter what, no matter how much time he had, if it was a 15-minute break, a 30-minute break, or an hour lunch, it didn't matter. Every time he was there with his Bible reading. Every time. Every time. I don't do that. I fail in that. But he made a decision to renew his mind. And that's what he was going to do. And I became apathetic to that. You know how to prevent apathy? is by renewing our mind. Let's open up our word, the word of God. That'll save. That'll renew. And that'll prevent you from becoming apathetic. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. We read this earlier. The love of many shall wax cold. And maybe you have failed to renew your mind. Well, what's going to happen when you do that is you wax cold. You become indif- uh, blind, cold to uh, the gospel, wax cold and indifferent in spiritual things. Another thing I think prevents apathy is that we must get involved. We have to get involved. And Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says, whoever, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Maybe this morning you, find, you struggle with seeing blessings in life. Maybe this morning you've had a hard time really feeling blessed or being blessed. One who waters will himself be watered. Maybe you haven't felt the blessing because you haven't gone out and blessed others. You have to get involved. You have to share the load. You have to get involved with the ministry of the church. There are a lot of things happening. If you don't get involved, what you're going to find, you're going to find yourself in a life of apathy where you stop caring about other other individuals, other people, about the Lord. That's what you'll find yourself if you don't get involved. Luke chapter 6, verse 35 uh, it says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. You know, one of the things that what happens when you get involved, you get to know your brothers and sisters. I made a comment one time just to a bunch of guys saying, man, I've got these workout weights. I need to start working out again, all this, that, and the other. Everyone's telling me when 30 happens, it's not going to be good. So I started working out again, and I didn't have a bench. And our dear brother was like, hey, I've got a bench. I can give it to you. And he blessed me with that. He didn't ask for anything in return. He just was like, hey, I'm going to, but he got involved. We got involved with each other. We got to know who each other is. And he knew I had a need, very small, minute need. But at the kindness of a heart, he gave me his workout bench. You know, Thomas is one of my good friends. And Thomas and I have nothing in common except for Jesus Christ and our Savior and our love for him. But I like sports, and Thomas doesn't necessarily like sports, but guess what? When I get involved in Thomas's life and Thomas gets involved in my life, the things that we really like, like separately, don't matter, but we find things that we like together. And Thomas and I hang out. We have a great time not talking about sports, talking about whatever we like about or like, but I wouldn't know who Thomas is without getting involved in his life. And he wouldn't know the things about me. And what he does is he blesses me by his presence. When we're together, we're talking about things that we enjoy together. We don't, we're different. And that's okay. But I don't know, I wouldn't know the things about Thomas if I wouldn't got involved with Thomas. And he's a good friend of mine. 
In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, the Bible says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. One of the things about having friends or having someone to lead, uh, a good companion is that when you struggle with something, guess what? Someone's there to help pick you up. But if you're not at church and you're not getting involved and you're not doing these things, you're not renewing your mind, when you fall, no one's there to pick you up. No one's there to help you because we don't know you. Because you don't want to be here. Because you've waxed cold and become indifferent of spiritual things. You have to get involved. I knew a brother one time and, and he just became distant. And I couldn't help him. There was nothing I could do to reach out to him. Nothing I could do. And he said it was my fault. But he stopped showing up to church. He stopped calling. He stopped returning texts. And it was my fault. He didn't get involved. He didn't. And it's sad. And sometimes we can mask our issues or our sins with whatever we think it is, but at the, at the end of it, it's pride and it's apathy that we really just stop caring. Do you care this morning? If you care, you'll renew your mind and you'll get involved. Another thing I think is we surround ourselves with people we ought to surround ourselves. Now, I work on a job site. And it's very difficult sometimes in construction, and there are a lot of construction workers here, but it's very difficult to hear the things you hear and be able to turn it off or ignore it. I, I was building a church one time in the commercial industry. I was building a church, and these, I'm telling you, you would think that these individuals would have the respect to speak in a way that they would speak to their mother. Oh, no. And we're building a church. No respect. It's been interesting. But what we have to do, guys, we have to surround ourselves with people that will be a good influence to us. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. What's, what's going to help us is if we surround ourselves with the right individual. But if we're surrounding ourselves with people who just don't care, guess what? We're just not going to care either because it will spread to others. That disease is very contagious. Evil communications corrupt good manners or good behavior. And if we don't come to grips with what we're doing and who we're surrounding ourselves with, what we'll find is a life that'll destroy our family and it'll destroy our church, and we will fall into the trap of apathy where we just stop caring. We, be, we become wax cold. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but is delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. This morning we may have individuals here that are starting to wither away. They stopped caring. And maybe you're here this morning, you're really struggling with caring about things. Maybe you're here this morning, you're really struggling with what's going on. Maybe you're struggling with really renewing your mind, or you're, or you're struggling getting involved. There's a lot of opportunity here. What do you want to be a part of? If you really care, you'll get involved and you'll surround yourself with good godly people. So now what? We've talked about what apathy is. We've talked about symptoms of apathy. We've talked about the dangers of apathy and how we prevent apathy. Now what do we do? 
I'd like to read you one last verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34. The Bible says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to righteousness. It's time to wake up, people. It's time to get on fire for the Lord. If you've settled into apathy where you just stopped caring, I want to tell you, we want to pray for you. We want to help you this morning. We've talked about these four things. I want to ask you one question. Do you really care? Because if you care, you're going to be on fire for the Lord. You're going to thirst after God. And you're going to serve Him, the Almighty God. And you're going to put all those other things aside. Apathy will destroy you. It'll destroy your family and it'll destroy this church. What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of family do you want to have? And what kind of church do you want to be a part of this morning?